With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. What? Grumpy? What's going on, man? I was jumping the gun there. Jumping the gun. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, God, grumpy. Um, Yeah, not, not a great result tonight. Um, you know, since the last live stream podcast, two regulation losses to the Pittsburgh Penguins. A lot to unpack. There's a lot to discuss uh, from Barry Trott's comments to this next little stretch of games. Grumpy, there's a lot to discuss. Grumpy, I do want to go ahead and get your initial reaction and take after tonight's loss. We're coming at the uh, the listeners of the podcast and the listeners of the live stream live on Saturday evening after a regulation loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think we deserve better. I think it was probably uh, saying the competition that we played against, I say, was the best game we played all year um, from start to finish. I thought, we, you know, we beat the Rangers. You know, but they're the Rangers are not very good. We beat the Devils. And, you know, we had a great period against uh, Buffalo. But I thought we played really well. Just a couple of, a couple of defensive breakdowns and guys not finishing off their checks or – you know, skating hard enough to spots and get Pittsburgh credit. I mean, you know, Latang is a really talented defenseman. And, you know, Crosby had, I think, two assists today. Gensel, I mean, their high-talent players came through in a game they probably should have lost. And that's where – that's our issue, honestly. You know, teams with more talent can make – we win mm-hmm. the games they should lose – they make plays to win, and we don't have that ability. Except for one. <clears throat> yeah, Grumpy. Um, oh, can you hear me, Grumpy? Yes, sir. I certainly can. Okay, gotcha. Um, it was rough. It was rough, Grumpy. Um, you're right, and I will tell you one thing. I don't know if you mentioned about Varlamov too, Grumpy, but man, I may have Varlamov's been pretty solid for the most part back there in that Grumpy. And, and again, I'm not pinning a loss on anybody, but there's definitely a few shots that he would like to have back. Yeah, I want to say the first one for certain and the last one. I mean, I think those are – I mean, here's the thing. Latang puts the puck on net. He's able to get it over that, uh, you know, his uh, shoulder on the short side both times. And, you know, that's what makes Chris Latang as good as he is. He's able to pinpoint – I mean, you don't see him slap-shotting, just a wrist shot, and he puts it in the right spot. Uh, like I said, the first goal – to me, Barlamov's got to stop that. I'm sorry. Uh, the last one, I'm going to blame 
for the most part, Anders Lee on that. Gensel has the puck behind the net. He doesn't confront Gensel. Gensel makes the pass over to Crosby, throws it up to Latang. You know, Bailey could have done a little bit better going after Latang, but he backed up. Perhaps he screened Varlamov a little bit, but it was almost the same exact shot he got beat on the first goal. So, uh, you know, I'm going to blame Varlamov on both of those, honestly. But if Lee was a little bit more proactive going after Gunsel, that play never even happens. Well, Grumpy, I do want to chime in really quickly before we take too deep of a dive. Um, we do have our sponsor to read from today before, because I'll always forget it if we don't go ahead and jump on that early. It's DraftKings. Um, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, a leader in daily fantasy sports, and how a payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grab. The week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all the action. Uh, making a lineup in DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Uh, draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with DraftKings lineup on the line. Uh, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in at all the action. Uh, now, all you have to do to play is download the TJ, you put yourself on mute, which is okay. Uh, I mean, I don't think he even realized what he's done, but actually he's nothing but a pretty face anyway. So I'll just continue to do the talking and just say that uh, DraftKings does sponsor the program. And uh, TJ, you are on mute, just to let you know. Uh, well, I'm just going to keep talking about the game. So TJ, are you back? You're back. I can hear you. Now he's back. It doesn't matter. He doesn't know what's going on, and that's cool. Uh, like I said, today's game, we certainly deserve to win today. Uh, just a couple of defensive miscues, like I mentioned. I thought that Bay, uh, I thought Nelson played a little bit better today. Um, so, uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is at this point in time. Um, you know, going back, looking forward or looking back to the game the other night, uh, you had, um, yeah, I, I wrote some notes down and, uh, it was interesting. Uh, like I said, also today's go the second go TJ, are you back on? Yes. Grumpy. Did, did okay. the action come through or did it get messed up? No, it messed up. You put yourself on mute for halfway through. Um, so maybe you can do that at the end. I just said, Hey, draft gang sponsors, the hockey podcast network. So oh, goodness probably gracious. a little bit shorter than you wanted to say, but you know, is what it is at this point in time. So, <laughs> well, uh, hold on, Gr Gr let me go ahead and read that because they're going to get honest about it. Uh, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, a leader in daily daily fantasy sports, and how a payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways that you can take the front row seat to all the action. Uh, making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means uh, more with DraftKings lineups on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in uh, daily fantasy sports, and there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download DraftKings app and sign in using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with the first deposits. Uh, that is a code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum uh, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, Grump, I'm sorry. I was having technical issues there. 
Yeah, you know what it is? Your fat fingers must have hit the button that said mute because that's what you did. You <laughs> muted yourself. I messed up. You- I messed something up here with my, my wiring, and it, it kicks me from the system. Uh, but grumpy old man. Yeah, I, I'll tell you. I, you know, and I, I just wanted while I was while you were messing up, I was talking about Barzal. I kind of uh, the goal that Matheson scored. Barzal should have hustled back. I mean, that's his that's his guy to pick up, and he kind of flowed back in. So just to show everybody that you know, hey, I'm not just going to rip the average Anderses, the uh, king of the secondary assists, the Crocs on this team. And Matt Barzal messes up. I'm going to tell you that was his guy. Matheson was his guy, and he kind of floated back. Uh, you know, I just I find it interesting listening to the broadcast, and you never hear them rip, for the most part, one of the veterans. They just they refuse. But let let a younger guy make a mistake, they're all over him. And I'm talking distinctly right to Butch. I mean, he's really good at that. Like he tried to blame, oh well, Dobson should have done this, and Barzell should have done this. Uh, well, you know what? There's a lot of other guys on this team that you need to worry about more making mistakes left and right that you never bring up. Hey, Grump, I, you always pick that. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't care what Butch says on the air when it comes down to who he's picking a bone with. Um, I think the people hopefully are able to see with their eyes and they're able to go ahead and determine like that, Grumpy old man. I will tell you this, right? I do think Barzal should have done a better getting back. Josh Bailey also did a job of mixing up in front of the net, screening Yari, and uh, allowing for that Brock Nelson goal to win. I mean, it wasn't a great shot by Brock. His first even-strength goal of the season. We are 17 games into the season right now, I believe. Uh, so first even-strength goal. Um, I guess it's a little bit of a – hopefully a, uh, it's a weight off of his shoulders, uh, perhaps in that sense. But, again, our team – I was more shocked with Josh Bailey mixing up in front of the net. Our team does not do a great job of engaging the down-low physical play unless you're a guy like Anders Lee or some, a bigger body who can actually shield and try to go ahead and um, – and uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, Grumpy? And try to go ahead and shield the goalie's vision. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, didn't, I didn't to screen a guy. You know what? I didn't even notice that Bailey did that, honestly, because he never gets involved physically ever. So uh, – was he okay tonight? He was just he was just okay. I didn't think he was there was anything special with this game again tonight. Uh, like I said, he played a little bit better recently. And man, oh man, just like clockwork, they come out. They come out. They say, "Oh, Josh Bailey." You know, you hear uh, AJ Molesco talk about how Josh, how he smart he is. And you know, you hear Barry Trotz. They trot out that old line where Barry Trotz. I have it written down. It was so it's so bad. He said. I never appreciated Bailey uh, until I started coaching him. You want to know why? Because he doesn't do anything that stands out. When you're looking at the other side, you ever say, wow, you know, what does Josh Bailey do well? Does he shoot well? No. Does he pass well? No. Does he hit anybody? Oh, stop, 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 stop. He does pass well. Come on, Grumpy. All right, come on. He's average. He's average. And then you hear AJ, right, trumpet in the company line. They keep on him how smart he is. You know, do you ever notice they never say how good he is or how productive he is? Because he's not. So they keep on saying how smart. And they pound in that home. Every single broadcast now, they're pounding that home and pounding that home. Oh, he's so smart. You know what? I'd rather have a guy who's good as opposed to somebody who's smart. Because and he might be smart. Maybe he's maybe he got good scores on his SATs. I don't know. But you know, as a hockey player, he's supposed to put the puck in the net and he doesn't do that. I mean, he's had a couple of nice passes the last few games, but you know. The only reason they even stand out is because he's so poor otherwise. 
and they keep pumping him like he's so great. He's not. I'm sorry. Good. Did you get that out of your system here, Grumpy? Just don't bring his name up again. I didn't bring his name up. You did, Grumpy. Oh, well, maybe I did, Grumpy. I thought he had. I thought he did well. Did. I thought he did well you, today. I thought he did well you today. Tried to, you tried to make it sound like he was a guy, like he was a he-man going in front of the net, you know, engaging all the Pittsburgh players so Croc could get off his shot to put in the net. To screen yeah. the goalie. He did a good job of screening the goalie. That's what I was looking for earlier. He did a good job of screening the goalie, Grumpy Old Man. And we'll leave it at that. Um, Grumpy, we do have a few comments here. We do have a few comments here, Grumpy Old Man. Uh, Josh saying, team has no offense. What a joke. Um, too much pessimistic saying, we played well. We played well enough to win both games. And Eric also saying, tough loss. Again, that's... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll comment on that. Uh, the first game, I thought we just played okay. I mean... They're just frustrating because, you know, we're not going to – unless we play really, really well, we're not going to beat good teams. I mean, I didn't think we played poorly on Thursday night, um, but it was – something was missing. The jump was missing a little bit. And, you know, again, you have Nelson and Bailey teaming up for a goal when the game's over. They're real good at that. And, uh, you know, today I thought we had much more jump. I thought we outplayed Pittsburgh. I thought the, the last game I thought we played them even – but we're just missing something, and it's the talent level. And today's same thing, right? I mean, if we have higher-end talent, we win that game going away. Pittsburgh does. They're, they're kind of just scuffling most of the game, and they get a chance, and they score. And that's the difference between us and them, and us and really good teams, unfortunately. You know, it was funny. I was, I was pondering a little bit on the recent play, grumpy old man, and <laughs> – Again, obviously, we know the offense isn't there. It's not at the level that we would like it at. But man, oh, man, the comments that Barry Trotz made after the first game drove me insane. It drove a lot of fans insane. drove me specifically insane. And we're going to go ahead and pull it up here for context. For those of you who are listening there on the podcast, again, we always recommend watch at least the video in post at the Islanders Never Say Die uh, on YouTube, that's an easy way to go ahead and do it, grumpy old man. But I want to go ahead and show you these comments that Barry Trotz made. Um, activated a few people. Uh, let me just go ahead and read it to you. Oops, I'm sorry, I made a mistake here. I thought I was prepared. My apologies, grumpy. All I know is whenever TJ has a point, he's got all his fancy little graphics that he puts up. Me, I got to write my crap down on a piece of paper and read it off. You think he would want to work with me on that, right? No, because my points are so so perfect and so salient. He doesn't want to make me look good. But here it is. He wants to make himself look good so he doesn't possibly mess up like he does whenever he does you know, uh, our ads or anything like that. So go ahead, TJ. Now go ahead and roll with your fancy little graphics. Uh, well, not even a graphic. This is just a comment. This is the comment that Barry Trotz made to the media after the game. Uh, the question was directed, you know, about Bellos's play. And, again, it's important when we preface this to say Bellos did not have a good game two days ago. It's also important to say he was not the reason we lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins two ga- or two games, or not, not this game but the game before. And Trot said on Bellows, he's been in every meeting, every practice, so there's no excuses. I won't make any excuses for Kiefer, and he won't make any for himself. Doe Cole went in and did a really good job. Wally went in and has done a really good job. That was Kiefer's opportunity. Now, let me tell you this. I made a comment about this, and people seem to get it confused. They think when I tell there should be a quality of how you treat players to the media, always. 
You should treat all the players the same to the media. You shouldn't go ahead and have certain players that use as scapegoats to the media. I don't care what you do behind closed doors. Some people need the carrot. Some people need the whip. Simply meaning some people need affirmation. They need to be told, you know, you're doing great. You're coming along great. That's just what motivates people. And some people need the whip. And I have no problem at all what you're doing behind closed doors. If Kiefer Bellows needs a whip, give him the whip all he needs. If he needs a carrot, give him the carrot. Whatever you think is going to help him improve and better his game. What I don't like, though, is how we're singling out certain players in the media. That is ne- I've never been a big fan of that. I mean, like when, when Leo Komarov went out there, you know, his first game back. Remember, this is Kiefer Bellows' scrumpy old man. I'm sorry I'm going on modeling. This is Kiefer Bellows' first game in like two and a half weeks. And when Leo Komarov was first time out there on the ice was, you know, he's got he's got a longer leash. Uh, you know, even though he took that five-minute pay, major penalty there, uh, I never thought about benching him. We never skipped a shift. And I know even though he was out there directly and he didn't cover his man back-checking and it led directly to the goal against that cost us the game, it didn't really bother us too much. I, I, again, like I'm paraphrasing. He didn't exactly say that, but it didn't affect his, his thought process of rolling Leo Komarov continually out there on the ice. And, you know, Kiefer Bellis has one poor game. Here you go. That's your opportunity. Mm. Again, I have no problem if you're telling him that behind closed doors. What I don't like is when you tell him that through the media. This happened post-game right after the game, grumpy old man. So it's not like he had a chance to talk with Kiefer before this. This was a question asked right after the game. And, you know, Kiefer Bellis asked the game, maybe he finds this out over Twitter. Oh, shit, that was my opportunity. Again, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I am never a big fan of ripping players to the media. Never have been, never will be. Yeah, well, you on with something. That was, you know, it's funny. That's an Arthur Staple tweet. That lapdog just prefaced the question so he could verbally attack Bellows. Well, what about Kiefer? Really looked like he struggled in that third period, keeping up defensively. You know, I know when it was Conrad, he certainly didn't weigh his statement like that. He didn't say it like that. He worded it different. Believe me, these guys know exactly what the coaches want. That's what sickens me about the media that covers the Islanders for the most part. They won't cover them fairly. They're too busy trying to be lapdogs. I need to get my information from these guys because they're not feeding me information. So I'm going to butter them up. It, it makes me – and you listen to all of them. It's all the same thing, the group speak. I mean, Leo Komarov, right? Okay, just even look at that comment. Michael Del Cole went in and has done a really good job. Well, who played today? On that, on that. Well, Michael, Michael Del Cole got injured, grumpy old man. I'm sure, as you know, he took that slap shot. He took a shot there in practice or something along the sorts. He got injured and he was out. So he was not able to dress. Otherwise, I guarantee you it would have been Michael Del Cole back in action today. Um, grumpy old man. Well, they did. Well, why not give and why put Komarov back in? What does he bring to the table? Absolutely nothing. And you know what? Here's the thing he wants a rip on Kiefer Bellows, who's on the second line or Michael Del Cole on the second line, you know what? Maybe you should call up the fossil and ask him why we don't have more talented players than these guys, than a number five pick in the draft who has, what, nine points in 200 and games and the NHL's playing on the second line. Kiefer Bellows, who he's getting – he plays on the third line for a couple of games. He plays good with Wallstrom on the third line. Now one game he plays on the second line, and he doesn't do exactly what you want, and now he's benched, and you're going to bring more of the garbage back into the lineup. Why? You deserve to lose. Komarov was out there lost today as usual. I mean, he can't keep up. He just can't. Sidney Crosby made him look like a fool on a number of occasions out there. I'm scared. Honestly, when he's out there, when the fourth line's out there against Crosby, I'm scared. I'm absolutely scared to watch them because they're just getting absolutely dominated out there. 
thousand games, a thousand games for Crosby. You know, some I can't wait. And of course, they flash up that damn graphic. Josh Bailey, he's closing on nine hundred games. You know, that is what he does well. What does Josh Bailey do? He puts the uniform on every night. That's the only thing he does well. He puts Stop. his shin pads on. He puts his skates on. At least, it's, at least his skates aren't on backwards. I'll give him credit for that. Oh my God, grumpy old man. He's not the fault there for the, the loss tonight. I thought he played well. Again, we're going to leave it at that. You keep bringing Josh Bailey up. I'm not bringing him up. You keep bringing him up, Grump. It's because um, they keep on putting they keep on putting these graphics that they trying to they're trying to convince the fans that Josh Bailey has some worth. He does not. I don't want to hear how smart Josh Bailey is. I'm telling you, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear Josh Bailey can score goals, or Josh Bailey will actually shoot the puck on net. What was the last time he took a shot? I don't know. You, you want to hear something funny, Grumpy, and a statistic that I think uh, might shock you. The Islanders defensemen only have three goals so far this season. Again, I've always been a big believer in defensemen have to play defense first. So in, in that system, I'm always a big fan of Barry Trotz's system. Or in that, in that token, I'm always a big fan of Barry Trotz's system. But our defenders, through 17 games, Grumpy old man, three goals. Three well, we don't engage our defense in the offense. They want to win every game one nothing. Hopefully they'll get a lucky goal, uh, you know, or something like that, and we have to play peerless defense. I mean, that's the way it is. You're not going to win. Again, I'm going to tell you. Maybe they should have an organizational meeting and just a meeting and ask, what do we really want to accomplish as a team? Are we happy just squeaking into the playoffs and getting knocked off? Or maybe we maybe we could advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe. Or, you know, maybe we can get past the first round. Is that the organizational goal? Or is the goal to win a Stanley Cup? Because if the goal is to win a Stanley Cup, they need to blow up the team and start over. Right. If that's your goal. But, you know, maybe that's not their goal. We want to, That goal is probably we want to make sure there are fans who come into the new stadium. That's what I'm thinking. We want to make sure that we have enough wins where people will want to come see us because the only reason they're going to see the Islanders is because they win. It's not because they're excited by the play on the ice because we're not an exciting team to watch, except for one guy, one guy on all the team. Grumpy, you went on a monologue there. I had a few points I wanted to bring up. But I I wanted to tell you, this was about – I mean, obviously, it's only a two-game stretch, but that was about the worst outcome we could have hoped for. I mean, two regulation losses to the Pittsburgh Penguins. We talked about it in the last pod stream and the last live live stream, Grumpy Old Man. The worst thing possible for us is to lose these games in regulation. Pittsburgh was, at the, at the time period, on the outside looking in on a playoff spot. And I can tell you one thing. They're going to be vying for a playoff spot. So, you know, to lose these games in regulation to a team that you're going to be a competitor with for, you know, one of the third or fourth spots in, you know, the playoff pitcher, never good. Um and you know the schedule for the next two games, the next four games, it's going to be relatively tough, grumpy old man. On Monday we play the Buffalo Sabers. On Thursday the Boston Bruins. On Saturday the Pittsburgh uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then on Sunday the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you're going to have three games over this next week in a four day time period: one against the Bruins and two against the Penguins. Holy crap! You want to talk about the need to come away with some points here. Because let's say you were hypothetically to lose a few of those games in regulation, you're you're going to be a few points back. You can't. Come, you have to come away with the loser points somehow. I mean, it seems like we're incapable of it. I mean, you know, I when they honestly when they went up three two, the game was over. I'm like, might as well turn up TV. We ain't coming back. But 
I will say we showed some fight. You know what? If they played like that all the time, we might actually score a couple of goals. I mean, I just, I, I just, I, I know it's the system that we play, but at some point in time, we need to get someone on this team who can score a goal, except for one guy. I mean, I thought Barzell played great today. Had a number of opportunities. Uh, I mean, I thought I thought Jordan Eberly has been playing really well. He showed great patience today, numerous times today. Really impressed with him. And if you notice, he kind of changed the lines back to what they were what they were at the beginning of the year. And you even saw a little bit of reconnection of the uh, Eberly, Barzell, and Bavillier line for a while too. I want to jump in, Grumpy, right? They had a great connection there, too, where Barzal goes ahead and splits through about three or four different Penguins on the opposing team. He goes ahead and gets open. He goes ahead and dumps the pass off to Bavillier. He's able to go ahead and slice through another two defenders there on the Pittsburgh side. Bavillier makes a nice feed. He's able to redirect and get a nice opportunity there on Yari. And I'm like, man, oh, man, when I see stuff like that, it just reminds me how well Barzal and Bavillier always meshed. It's like peanut butter and jelly, Grumpy old man. Um, but yeah, I will tell you, it's funny you mentioned about Jordan Everly's patience. That was good patience by Jordan Everly. Can we take a second, though, to talk about Matheson? Holy crap. Obviously, a few things notably happened with Matheson over the last two games. Um, first, I don't know how the hell we let him walk down the ice or skate down the ice and score that goal. Oh, my gosh. He almost went end to end and looked relatively uncontested. Um, I know we kind of touched on a little earlier. I know Barzal didn't close down on him and it gave him that open opportunity, but still, I was not expecting that to happen. Um, Matheson also determined to cover his own player, another Pittsburgh Penguin behind the net or skating behind the net. He didn't know who he had on his team on his side, which allowed Jordan Ebley to walk in unimpeded on Yari. Uh, so, you know, a big play by him, also a big mistake that cost him a goal as well. Yeah, I'm going to – give him a little bit of slack on that because Matt Barzal was coming down, you know, he was coming down the, uh, he was coming right down the ice on that, on that uh, Everly goal. And the, the biggest problem was Jari went to poke check him. I mean, he, there was a couple times he did that, that almost ended up on goals. The first one, the one did end up on a goal. And then later in the third period, he tried to do the same thing with Barzal and he just made the save on it. I don't know why he wants to poke check everybody. Just maintain your, your spot. And, you know, when you're back defensively, you want to be up the goalie. Let the goalie handle the shooter. You take away the guy on the pass. And he kind of did that. He saw Barzal coming, and I think that's why he did that. And you ask why we, the Islanders don't score on defense? What's the difference? You see Matheson following up that play all the way right into the slot where our guys never do that. They get to the blue line and they stop. And it's not because they don't want to. That's what they're told to do. You never. That's why you don't see us engage. The only time you'll ever see our guys go down below the faceoff dot is if they're taking it down along the boards and are looking to make a pass out front and they can skate back around the other side. They never actually go to the front of the net. And that's why we don't score a whole lot of goals. And the difference between Ryan Pulak, for instance, and uh, Latang is Latang can actually put the shot on net and Ryan doesn't. You know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't have to shoot the slap shot every time. Maybe he should just try a snap shot or a wrist shot. That's one thing Dobson does well when he does shoot. He does those type of shots, and they almost invariably cause havoc in front of the net. And if we ever have a net front presence. We have a chance to score. Uh, a few things here on Pat Grumpy. Now, did Chris Letang, did he score two goals tonight? Two. Well, you want to know the crazy thing, Grumpy old man? 
Tonight, the Pittsburgh Penguins had three goals from defensemen. That is equal to the total goals by defensemen the Islanders have the entire year so far, 17 games in. Crazy to think about. I know it doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, again, it's not a huge point or huge like, hey, our defense needs to start producing more. That's just what they're taught. I will say this much. You said there's a reason we don't score as many goals as other teams because we're not as you know heavy on the forecheck. To play devil's advocate, Grumpy, I also think that's why we probably surrender less goals as well. Um, I'll talk, I'll talk to this about – we do have a comment here from John. He said, I didn't get to see the game. It looks like they totally outplayed the Penguins and lost at the end. Was Varlamov off his game? I'll tell you, for that that first goal for certain, he would like to have that one back, and it was knuckling a little bit. It was a slap shot from the point. It wasn't like he was screened. He just didn't, <laughs> didn't get his body in front of it. And, again, that blocker side, you know, high blocker side, he was not able to make the save. Both of them were blocker side. The same shot, both of them from uh, Latang, both of them. I don't think he was off his game tonight. I thought he made a couple of really, really good saves. But that looks like uh, – and we're going to have to follow this. That looks like a weakness for him, are those high-to-the-stick side shots. Uh, he, like I said, they were identical as far as I was concerned today. So it'll, it'll be something we have to continue to watch, see if teams kind of pick on Varlamov going that side. I'll be interested to see we got a comment here from Matthew S. saying again, so frustrating, but all of a sudden, Yari is Hasek when he plays us, but is just okay against everybody else. And again, this is also a comment echoed by Josh H. Grumpy. He's got the 44. He's got number 44 there as a little uh, profile pitcher, Grumpy old man. Don't know, probably more for Reggie than it is for no, Jimmy. No, 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 no. There's no way he's putting up that for Reggie Jackson. Uh, he's putting that up for, uh, you know, J.G. Pajot, the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson. Mm -hmm. Well, Yari had made some great saves, but seemed like there was about at least four goals we should have had today. It's because we, the, if we had more talented players, those goals go in. It's like if I'm out there, I'm going to hit the goalie nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten. I could be Josh Bailey out there, honestly. You know what? Matheson scored his first goal since he was traded to Pittsburgh, whenever that was. He's got as many goals as Josh Bailey does. Think about it. <laughs> oh, goodness, grumpy old man. He's uh, a first-line first player, that Josh Bailey. Do you know that? I'll tell you. No, he, he wasn't. Well, they, they moved him off the first line. They moved him back down to the second line today, grumpy old man. Um, with the power play, and it only had one opportunity, but it seems like Oliver Wallstrom has now been replaced off the power play by Anthony Bavillier. Okay, sure. Um, it is what it is on that front. I think Oliver Wallstrom should continue to receive power play time just because of the shot opportunity he does have. But, again, it is what it is at that point. I think they, they wanted to go back to the status quo, um, and when all is said and healthy, I think what we're going to see is cemented as a third line is Michael Del Cole, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, as well as Oliver Wallstrom. That's what I think uh, Barry Trotz wants the third line to be here for the rest of the season. And if injuries happen, that's when players get slid in. I think you're, what you see, what we're going to see when Del Cole returns healthy is what they want the ideal lineup to be game in and game out. It's funny. Our pal Butch, who never, ever – doesn't take a chance to slam a young guy. There was a play in the third period. Useless Komarov is skating up the center of the ice. Hold on, you said Butch never takes a chance to slam a young guy or always not, takes not, To not slam a young guy. Okay, gotcha. So Wallstrom's coming up. Uh, he's coming up along the right right wall. He's got a guy in front of him. And you have Komarov lumbering down the center of the ice. And uh, Wallstrom 
slams the brakes on and tries to regroup and make a pass up. And he was saying, oh, my gosh, Komarov was, was – he was coming free down the middle of the ice. Okay, he wasn't free, first of all, right, Butch? He was not free. And then he says, you know what? That's – Wallstrom has to keep his head up, you know, and make a pass over there. I said, you want to know something? If Wallstrom comes up and makes a pass and he gets picked off because that snail Komarov doesn't make it and it comes back the other way, he's going to get benched. He does exactly what they tell him. You get up there and you chip it in or you regroup. That's that's what they're telling Wallstrom to do. And he's bought in because he wants to play. They don't care if he scores goals. They do not care if anyone on this team ever scores a goal as long as they play defense. <laughs> Grumpy, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember seeing that exact little clip in Snippet, Grumpy, old man. I remember hearing that comment there from Butchie. And again, like I think Komarov actually did beat – I don't remember if it was Moreno or who it was as a Pittsburgh defenseman. He did go ahead and beat him there off the step. But in the same token, he was being impeded. He had a Pittsburgh defenseman right in front of him. It's not like he had a free open avenue where he's skating up the side. It was like a one-on-one pass opportunity. Remember, they had an opportunity earlier where Komarov just buried it. I can't remember if he missed it in the first period or just buried it right into the goalie. Where it, was a, it was a 2-1-0 or a 2 on one there for Wall Street and Komarov as well. Um, we got a few comments here, grumpy old man. Uh, Patrick Vesna saying, why are we still playing Komarov? I thought he was waived. Uh, he was. Nobody picked him up. I think he was just waived there because they knew they were going to have to go ahead and send him there to the taxi squad. Um, and they had to go ahead and wave him preemptively. Now, again, the only reason he was playing tonight is because Michael Del Cole was out. I honestly do not believe if Michael Del Cole was healthy that Komarov would be in tonight. Oh, I don't, I don't believe that. He loves Comrade. He loves Comrade. And they wave me because they got to wave him every 30 days. And he's like, no one's picking up a piece of garbage like that. It's never happening. Speaking, so, speaking about players who've been waived, Adam Henrique was waived today, grumpy old man, by Anaheim. So what? Who cares? He's finished. I'm not, say, I'm not saying we should acquire him. Uh, you know, we couldn't either unless we made some serious moves. I'm just saying, I did. I was shocked he was waived. That's all, Grumpy. He's still there's under no, contract until 2024. Yeah, there's no why. So why do they put him on waivers? Because they can't. No one will take him. No one's going to take him. He's a contract. he's a 31 year old center that takes up about over five and a half million of cap space all the way through 2024. And again, he's at diminishing returns. And Anaheim's not a cup competitor, so why would they continue to have a guy like that on the roster? They're trying to get the young guys involved. If they pick him up on waivers or try to try to do anything to pick up Adam Henrique, because I know he's got a connection with the fossil. But if he tries to do that. I swear I'm going to go up to the National Coliseum and beat his damn door and kick the shit out of him because why Why would you ever pick up a piece of garbage like that, right? You don't have the money for anybody. That's why we got to get rid of Devon Hayes, right? But we, let's say, hey, we're going to pick up Adam Henrique, $5.5 million. Well, why didn't we go and try to get Patrick Lyonick, $5.7 million? We don't have the money for that, but you have the money for a piece of garbage like that? that you know, that's typical Lou Lamarill. I could see him doing something like that just to piss me off, honestly. Is that well, Grumpy? He calls in sometimes to the show on your landline. It's so too that, late. And he's asleep. Are you kidding me? Look at the time. He's in bed well, by nine o'clock. That guy. Here's my question, Grumpy. Now is he just trolling you? Is he going to call you up maybe next podcast and say, "Hey, Grumpy, we picked up Adam Henrique just to piss you off." Boop, and hang up the calls. That's what's going to happen, Grumpy. Yeah, let me tell you something. He'll be in big trouble. Man. I'm just trying <laughs> to. Not, I'm, I'm trying not to get too animated. Oh, Grumpy, I was about to say, when we had talked about our post-game 
live streams. I was expecting more of this side of Grumpy Old Man to come out. More where it's just like you're, again, like I know we had one, which I'm sure had uh, pacified the Grumpy. We were on a huge, I mean, it was an eight-game point streak at the time. So, Grumpy, I was expecting more after our first live stream post-game. I was expecting you to be a lot more animated, kind of like this, Grumpy Old Man, talking about beating the door in a Lou Lamarillo, but obviously all in jest and fun, Grumpy. Um, but we kind of stop. Hey, stop trying to tell me what I feel. If I want to say I'm going to go up there and beat his door down, don't say that I'm saying it, just. <laughs> Stephen L. saying, is the Oliver Wallstrom experiment, is the Oliver experiment over yet? Um, No, I, I don't think it was an experiment. I think he's done a great job, and I think he's improving every game. I, again, like just as Paul is saying here, Wallstrom is improving every game. I think Wallstrom is making big strides. I think he's gonna, he's getting more and more comfortable. Remember, he's playing in a bottom six role, and he's a guy who's who's got the skill set of a top six player. He's not suited okay. for the role he's playing. The first question was, is the experiment over yet? No, it's not because he actually took a shot today. They want to get it so he never shoots. They don't care if he shoots. They don't care if he scores. They just want to make sure that he's a grinder. That's all they care about. We want a team of grinders. We want to we want to go out there and just look as boring and dull as possible and maybe a puck will float in and we'll be so good defensively and pay everybody 50 cents on the dollar to keep the team together. And that's what we want to do. We don't care if anyone scores. We don't even care if we win as long as we don't give up goals. We don't care about entertaining the people. We don't care about putting any pucks in the net as long as you can skate back and try to hold guys out from scoring. That's all we care about on the Islanders. That's it. How do you think Josh Bailey plays on his team? He doesn't do anything well. He just doesn't do anything super bad either. But that's going to get you 900 games in an Isler uniform. <laughs> they flash that freaking thing up on the screen. Oh, look how close he is. He's getting closing on Bobby Nystrom. He's a piece of garbage, man. Hate that Josh Bailey. You know, it's going to be great, Grumpy, and still have more games. He might, You know what, Grumpy? He might be on a whole different level, Grumpy Old Man. Maybe he'll play the most games ever in an Islanders uniform, Grumpy Old Man. Wouldn't that make you happy? It'd be embarrassing, honestly. The worst time in Islander history. That's what he'd be associated with. It's not going to be winning Stanley Cups. Yeah, the Islanders sucked for a lot of years. You know how you can tell? Josh Bailey was on their team. Oh, stop. Uh, stop, Grumpy Old Man. Uh, David C. is saying here, uh, when your GM has three off-seasons and doesn't acquire a top six forward or top four defenseman, eventually it catches up to you. I don't think we need any. I don't think we need to acquire any top four defensemen. Uh, top six forward, for certain. Absolutely, we need a top six winger. So <laughs> You don't even draft the guys who have the capability of being a top six forward. That's his biggest crime. We know he doesn't want to make a trade unless we're picking up more grinder pieces of garbage, some guys to fill in on the bottom lines that are never going to play because we're going to continue to play that fourth line till the end of time. It doesn't matter if they're all well in their mid-30s. We're going to keep on rolling them out every night while they get embarrassed out there. But let's pick up more third and fourth liners. Why do we want anyone who could possibly put the puck in the net? They might not play enough defense. Why would we want something like that? He's not a good fit. Why? Because he puts pucks in the net? So the guy's not a good fit for us? I mean, the biggest crime, once again, is when you go and draft guys like Casper uh, Holmstrom and you leave guys like Tomasino, Kaliev, and McMichael on that board. Thank you very much. Ding, ding, ding. When you do that, that's your bigger crime. Because these are guys who can, you see them develop. You, you're at the guy who's going to be nothing but a Josh Bailey light. I mean, that's not how you win games. Or Lunds, what's his name? Krunstaff, whatever the, the guy. Lunskrantz, grumpy old man. Lunskrantz. Okay, what's his description? Third wing grinder. 
That's the guy you take a chance on in the third line. Go. Why don't you pick somebody in the third round? It's a crapshoot, right? Pick somebody who says, you know what? This kid, he don't play any defense, but he can put the damn puck in the net. Those are the type of guys I want. Okay, well, Grumpy, you complain about that all the time. And again, I tell you this all the time. Number one, every at their bingo boards at home can go ahead and say, yes, Grumpy old man, hit on that. We should have drafted XYZ over Simon Holmstrom. You go ahead and mark that one off as it happens every single live stream and podcast. Grumpy old man, William DeFore. Hold on, Grump. Hold on. William DeFore is scoring goals. He was a fourth-round pick, I believe, or maybe it wasn't a fourth-round pick. Maybe it was a fourth or a sixth. I know William DeFore and uh, Alex Jeffries are both playing well. Alex Jeffries at Merrimack College there. He's putting up good point production as well in college already as a freshman. Uh, William DeFore, again, he's overage, but he's got over 15 goals in juniors already and I think like 20-some-odd games in 20 games. So, again, you talk about they need guys who can score. William DeFore is a big guy who's putting a puck in the net down there. Junior's given. He's overage, so it's worth mentioning that. But Alex Jeffries is playing well there in college at Merrimack as well right off the bat. Okay. Hypothetically, you asked why I continually hit on these same points. Because what's the one thing we cannot do in this organization? We can't do it in Bridgeport. We can't do it here. We can't do it at any EHL, ECHL affiliate. What can't we do? Score. And yet we don't want to pick guys who can actually score. How are you expected to score if you don't score? And then you say, well, gosh, this guy we picked in the fifth round has done this. This guy's done this. Well, how about hypothetically you would think the guys who were picked earlier have more offensive acumen or more high-end upside, right? So why don't you try that then as opposed to why picking a third-line grinder in the third round? Why don't you say, hey, you know what? Here's a guy in the third round. You know he scored, I don't know, 100 girls, hundred goals for the peewee band of midgets, whatever. You know what? Take a shot on him as opposed to some scrap like this Lundkrantz guy who's nothing but a grinder. We have enough grinders on this team. I don't want to draft a grinder. You can turn other players into grinders, like you're trying to turn Oliver Wallstrom into a grinder. We don't need more grinders. We need more goal scores. God almighty. Grumpy, if we had a word allotment, you would have used our entire year's supply of grinder during that little explosion. Um, got a few comments here. One from Vinny Z saying, need big offensive play. And then Brian B also saying, so when does Martin come out of the lineup? Can't skate and has three points in 17 games. And this brings me back to the point I want to talk about. We talked about Matheson, uh, grumpy old man. We talked about the goal he had produced, also the poor defensive play uh, earlier, grumpy old man. Last game, he goes ahead and boards Matt Barzal towards the end of the game. And again, it's one of those hits where it's again, it's a it's on our best player on our team. And he goes ahead, it's a two-handed cross check right to the small part of the back. He just crumples up. Obviously, the way Matt Barzal falls and gets crumpled in the boards makes it eat, look even worse, Grumpy Old Man. That being said, right after that happened, there was no explosion. There was nobody jumping all over Matheson. A given, they did go ahead and make sure later on he caught a cross check in the teeth, and they made sure that Matt Martin tried to fight him there at the end. I'll tell you this much, and this is a question I have for you and for all the fans, listeners, live stream of the podcast. If that was the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that was Sidney Crosby who got boarded, or let's even say that was the Chicago Blackhawks, and that was Patrick Kane, what do you think? of those teams would have been 
Well, honestly, what do you th- what do you think would the action of the team would have been, Grumpy Old Man? Well, they said, oh, we're not going to do anything immediately. We'll try to go ahead and get you back afterwards. We're going to go ahead and get you to cross-check in the face afterwards. Or would they immediately have dropped the gloves and done anything they can to go ahead and hit and take out that player who just went ahead and brutally uh, brutally broke the rules of the game and goes ahead and hits your best player into the boards? You know, head over heels the best player in your team on the boards like that. It would have started a fight. That's what happens. But here's the thing. When you're a, a physically impotent team like Lou Lamarillo is impotent, these are the type of things that happen. That's the way they want to build the team. We don't want to confront everybody. We want to be everybody's friend. We just want to play hard, and maybe you'll let us score a goal. We'll just – you know, we don't want to start any fights. Ross Johnson should have started today. That's why you have Ross Johnson in the lineup. Now, I didn't think that hit from Matheson was that bad. I mean, it was a cross check, absolutely, but it was the distance away from the boards is what uh, caused it to make to make it look worse than it did. But that's the, the whole thing: is you should have jumped him immediately. You don't let your best player get run. You just don't do it. Did anyone go after him right away? Absolutely not. Then they I think, they, then I think they, they did a good there. job afterwards. I think they did a good job afterwards trying to retaliate, but again, it wasn't immediate, and that's my thing. That's the best player. It's You see the numbers. You're not allowed to cross-check people like that when you're close to the board and you see their numbers. That's the big no-no. You're not allowed to do that in the game anymore. Again, the, the, the reaction I would like to see, and especially if I'm a player on that team, if I'm a smaller, more skilled player, I'd want one of the bigger guys who necessarily aren't as skilled with the offensive acumen. I want them to go in and pummel the living shit out of the guy who just hammered me from behind the boards. That's what I'd like to have happen. It's not like I need Andrews Lee to go ahead and give me a two-handed cross-check in the face at the end of the game. You could do that too. Too, right you fight him as soon as he gets out of the box you still go ahead and carry that mentality with him the rest of the game remember matheson was the same exact guy who took that dirty cheap hit against johnny boychuk and launched his body up and against the playoffs last season too and aimed at the head it's the same exact guy did the same exact scenario my thing is why was there not an immediate reaction i like the way we reacted after the fact but I, as soon as something like that happens i just i'd love to see the fire immediately come out of the Islanders. that's all that tells you they got to run everything by committee you know, Barry Trost, he, he preaches it. You don't want to, you don't want to do, don't take a retaliatory penalty, heaven forbid, you know, because we can't go on the penalty kill. We want to win games one nothing. That would lower our chances of winning a game if we gave up a power play goal. Please don't do that. You know what? Here's the thing. They should have jumped him immediately. And if they didn't do that, the next time Crosby comes out on the ice, you knock his teeth down his throat. That'll stop it because you know something? You want to run our guy? We're going to make your guy pay double. That's how you have to handle that stuff. You don't let him get away with that. And then you know what? Today, you send Ross Johnson out there, and you have him attack Crosby on his thousands game. You want to play a thousands game? You're going to be out there for two minutes, and then you're going to be back in the dressing room. That's what they should have done. They don't have balls on this team. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, God. Grumpy old man. These are facts. Hey, hockey's a man sport. Man up. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Oh, we're gonna change. We're gonna change. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to channel that inner demon in you, Grumpy, or the inner dragon. Um, to Miss Fest Mistaking said, any bona fide finisher would have helped us tonight and the previous night for certain. For certain. Um, again, like that's that's just the last part we're missing. Again, I think it's it's obviously welcoming. If we're able to get some offensive production, five on five play out of Brock Nelson and anybody in the top six, that's huge. Uh, Jordan Eberle, again, he's a real streaky scorer. He seemed to be relatively consistent. I think Anders Lee's done a good job so far this season putting puck in the net too. We just need to continue to see this. I, 
I'm not expecting a lot of offensive production out of our defense, but it would be nice to have more than three goals in 17 games from our defensemen. Okay. Two years ago, two years ago, the Armadillo and the Fossil came out and said after their first year there, yep, we know we have to improve the offense on this team. It's imperative that we improve the offense. What have they done to improve the offense in two years since they made those statements? It's so obvious to every fan we need to be able to score. What have they done to improve that? What has the fossil done? Isn't that his job to get more talent for the team? Does he do it? No, he does not. Anytime, hey, Patrick Line is there for the taking, right? Do we even take a shot at him? No. Why? Who the hell knows? But let's get rid of our young defensemen and keep the other pieces of garbage on this team, the old people. And let's give the $6 million man another contract. Give him another contract. Grumpy. We, he did bring in John Gabriel Paja, which did help out. Again, what you talk, uh, Again, I know. I know. They didn't bring any top six help for certain. Grumpy old man. They did bring in John Gabriel Paja, though. I got a comment here from Frank. Uh, again, this is a long one, Grumpy, Ooh. so we're going to have to ask you to strap in. Uh, when does the fan base start to blame the organization for lack of developing scores and not making their youth feel like they don't score, then they'll be replaced by 98-year-old grinders who can't score? Um, since the 90s, uh, they've developed two scores. We know who those two are. Barzal isn't a scorer. He's not uh, He's not one of the two. Put Wallstrom and Bellows on the high-flying and play-making teams, and they'll be scoring 20 to 25 goals. It's not the players. It's an organizational failure. Hmm. I agree. I 100% agree. And that's what happens when you draft guys like Casper in the first round, when guys who are proven goal scorers in the minors wind up not being drafted and go on to, on to success with other teams. And where's Casper? He's wallowing around down at Bridgeport in another losing atmosphere. I think he, he did score a goal. I mean, I think they've what, – what, what's how many points does Bridgeport have this year? One win? They've got – they've got one, hold on, Grump. They've got one win, I think, in five games or six games. I really don't keep track. All you need to know is they're going to have a miserable record. They don't score many points. I know I think it was yesterday they were shut out. Uh, the, the convenient thing is all the games are at 1 o'clock. So – when I'm on lunch break, I at least get to see some games and hockey action from Bridgeport. I mean, think about it. Think about, okay, you say you want to give the young guys a chance, right? One game is not a chance. As a player, and TJ, you were a player. I mean, I know you played a lot, but let's say you were a scrubby or a guy who was trying to earn his way in the lineup and you get a chance. And you seem to play well, but an older guy who doesn't play as well, he's back in there. And any time that you make one mistake, you get yanked off the field. What would that do to your confidence going forward? Well, it, I'll tell you one thing. It all depends on what type of person you are. Either it destroys your confidence or makes you pissed off saying, you know what, coach blah, 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 doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, <laughs> and, again, like you don't hear many stories where people come out afterwards. Hockey is a different sport. You really don't see players trash coaches at all. Um, very rare, and it's eye-shocking if it does happen. Um, but, again, it, it's definitely not good for confidence. And, again, hitting back on what happened with the Bellows, right? Like if I felt that, you know, I'm not being given an opportunity, and, again, this is the same exact argument I've made here with Josh Ho saying the same exact bit, grumpy old man. If I feel like I haven't had a lot of game time or action, haven't received an adequate chance, and Leo Komarov is out there in certain games, he's looked terrible, but he's continually going to get the start game after game. I'm going to feel like, what the hell do I have to do differently to get on the ice? Again, I'm sure he's asked, Coach, too. He's like, you know, Coach, I want to be out there on the ice. What do I need to do differently? 
And, and I'm sure that's when he goes over and he tells him. Here's another question too to you, grumpy old man. What do you think Zarnak is thinking? Because remember, he played he played one game for the Islanders, came out and played extremely well. Why the hell was why did we not roll a chance and opportunity for Sarnak today? This is uh, this is a point here, Grumpy. I thought he played well, and you're talking about a guy with you know Michael Dokol, who was originally on the second line. They moved him back down to the you know Kamarov. They switched up lines, whatever. But the thing is, why is Sarnak not given a chance and an opportunity then too? I think he has played better than Leo Kamarov as a whole this season. This is my thing. If I'm if I'm Sarnak, what am I thinking too? Oh, okay. Well, terrific. I'm never going to get a chance either. They rolled out Kiefer Bellos ahead of me. Uh, now they're rolling out Leo Komarov. They're obviously very happy and content there with Michael Doug Cole. The one game I get action in, I see time on the power play. I play well. I help break up odd man rushes to stop a two-on-one going the other way and to stop a breakaway. What else do I need to do to get out there on the ice? You know. But again, Coach sees a lot more than we do at practice. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you know what? I care more about what happens in games. And when I see Leo Komarov get exposed out there, I mean, did they go 100% practice? Maybe Leo is going 100% in practice. And since everybody else is going 60%, he looks like he's doing better than he really is. But when it comes game time, he sucks. I mean, Jarnak, why not give him a shot? I mean, I don't have a problem with that. Like I said, why don't you can sit Matt Martin. He's finished. The $6 million man, he's ready for scraps. Traded his bionic eye for something else. Get rid of those legs for something else. I mean, we don't need him to, anymore. I, like I said, it was a mind-boggling to give that man a four-year extension. Just mind-boggling. And I the mean, th- and the thing is, like, I don't want this to come off as like we're blaming Leo Komarov for the loss because most certainly I am not. Leo Komarov is not the reason we lost. Just like Kiefer Bellows two nights ago was not the reason the Islanders lost. Again, we talked about it earlier. I think that Matt Barzal not doing his job there, coming back and back-checking hard enough, led to that opportunity in the goal by Matheson. Uh, Anders Lee talked about earlier, grumpy old man, not putting enough pressure there, allowing that open opportunity there for Crystal Tang. And I think as good as, as Simone Varlamov has looked so far this season, I mean, both of those shots that were high stick side, he probably wanted to make saves in an ideal scenario. And in practice, those are saves. If he let him in, he's like, shit, that's something I want back. That's a save he wants to make. Yeah, and like I said earlier, we're gonna want to we're gonna want to track that and see if the team starts shooting that spot on him to see how he reacts. Uh, I, I guess my whole thing with the Bellows and the younger players is, you know, if they're held to almost a higher standard to get any playing time than the Leo Komarovs, well, you know, what is it going to do? If you have any offensive talent, are you going to take a chance offensively, or you know, if you make a def- uh, if you're not if you're up in the offensive zone? and you're not scoring, and you can't get back, are you going to get benched after that? Are you going to get blamed for the goal? I mean, because that seems like what happens to the young guys. That's what I think he's done with Bellows. I think he's done it with Wallstrom. That's why Wallstrom – how often do you see Wallstrom really attacking the net for the most part? He's both hanging back. Every once in a while he'll go up there, but it's defense first. This guy was drafted to be a goal scorer, and you're trying to suck that out of him. It frustrates me no end. Get the kid on the power play in the trigger position. Have him shoot the puck. I want that kid shooting the puck. Well, you talk, and again, like I hate to hammer this home again, right? We got a defenseman there in a trigger position on our power play on the first line, Ryan Pulak, and I think no power play goals from that. I'm sorry. The 17-game experiment with that of you rolling the trigger man position there on our power play, that is over. 
Again, we have three goals from our defensemen all season long. Sorry, we can't continue to go ahead and throw people out there in our trigger positions that aren't scoring goals because Josh Bailey hasn't scored a power play goal in over 50 games. That's already one player that's not going to score a goal in the power play. And if you got Ryan Pulak, who can't go ahead and produce a power play goal in the trigger position, that's essentially two guys out there on your power play that have a infinitesimally small chance of scoring a power play goal. So again, grumpy old man, I want to talk about a point you brought up earlier, right? One thing, one thing I want to give, uh, I think you were a little bit hard on Josh Bailey there since he hasn't scored a goal in the power play in 50 games. Uh, In his defense, he doesn't shoot the puck. So it's awful hard for him to score when he doesn't shoot the puck. Grumpy. Um, this is my thing when I, and again, like this is all coming from player experience and, and this is me, maybe other players take it different. Professionals do take this differently. Everybody takes things differently. If I felt that I deserve to be playing. And again, I was always a player where even if I was close to as good as a guy who I was competing with for a spot, I believe they should have been playing. That's just the mentality I had as always was. Um, and again, like if I felt I did better than that person, I was going to feel like I was being slighted. And in some capacity, if I was not getting a chance and opportunity. And, and again, maybe the players don't feel that way. I'm just telling you as a, as an ex player myself, I, you know, I felt that way a little bit. So, and again, like, I don't think hopefully these players have it. I know they wouldn't air those issues there to the media. Uh, you know, people who did that type of stuff, Josh Ho saying <clears throat> they would never receive a chance or an opportunity. I mean, you can't air stuff like that in your frustrations for certain. Um, grumpy old man. I have a few more comments here I want to get to. Two minutes pessimistic saying Wallstrom is playing well. He's doing the little things right that are needed. Hopefully that translates to goals. I think we just covered that, Grump. I think you were talking about Wallstrom kind of ad nauseum. You hope he's able to go ahead and get more thrusted into an actual offensive role as opposed to this, hey, we need you to be more conservative on the offensive side of the puck and make sure you're playing the 200-foot game. He he is doing all the little things like he's supposed to do. But what I'm saying, I mean, I'm not saying that you should totally avoid playing defense, but it's like Al Arbor. I'll bring it up again. Mike Bossy. He said, I can teach him to place in defense, but I can't teach a guy to score goals like that. You don't want to take, you don't want to sacrifice so much of what he does offensively to play defense. He's there because he can score. You want to, you want to uh, accentuate what he does well, not try to stump, not try to squash that to jam it into the system that you want to play. We need guys who can score goals. We don't have that. If while Oliver Wallstrom can, that's what we need him to do. I got a comment here from David C. Talk about earlier saying, Frank, hey, uh, the great Thompson hasn't developed a forward since Brock Nelson 10 years ago. And again, I, you want to talk about developing a forward. I wouldn't say that Brent really developed that forward. You know, Brock Nelson's time in college was really the development I think he had uh, rather than in the A. I think he had a lot more developmental years there in college that kind of helped cement his game a little more than the time he the, the short time period he did spend there with Thompson. Uh, I'm gonna cha- I'm gonna say that. So, in other words, Thompson has never developed a forward since he's been there. I, I won't say that, grumpy old man. I, I mean, again, I <laughs> he's just an average, an average player. Grumpy old man, uh, Michael M. saying, "Oh, grumpy, oh man, grumpy, I'm furious tonight." Uh, the Islanders are benching the young guys who might suck. Um, for a veteran who has been guaranteed a chance of sucking. Death and taxes, a star center with no talent on his wings. Those are the guarantees of life. Those are the guarantees of the New York Islander franchise. We've been talking about that for a long time. DJ gets mad because I keep on hitting those points. 
but they never change. They're always the same. Uh, you know, that's the whole thing. When you know, you know the ceiling for a Leo Conrad or a Matt Martin, feeling way down here. You don't know what the ceiling is for a Bellows, for a Wallstrom. But here's the thing. If you don't give them a chance, you're never going to find out. And that's the thing that frustrates me. All they have to do at minimum is be as good as Leo Conroy. That's the absolute minimum they have to be. Anything above that is gravy. Give the kids a chance. Uh, grumpy old man. I'm just going to flash a few comments here as well. Grumpy. Oh, yeah. I get a GM that has a collective social security in 50, for 15 years already. Oh, gosh. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to say that Lou is probably not collecting social security uh, because he makes a lot of money as a GM. So uh, he's unless he wants to get fully taxed on that social security, I'm going to say he's not going to do that. He probably just collected it 72 here, Grump. Um, gotcha. System exposed. Here, uh, Barzal played well tonight. Everly has exceeded my expectations this season. I think he's exceeded all of our expectations. Again, I think he's had a pretty nice bounce back season, as well as Anders Lee. I thought both of them struggled last year mightily. I think we're seeing production out of both of those guys, which is exactly what we want. Um, seven is very attractive. And, you know, this might be crazy to think, Grumpy. In the offseason, we have the expansion draft. Who's to say that Jordan Everly, you know, the way he's performed this year is not a piece that's movable. And again, like, you know, it, it comes down to what happens this year. It, it, like a, a lot's going to ride on this next four game stretch here, Grumpy. I mean, oh. you got three teams here. You're playing the Penguins twice, the Bruins once, and then you play the Sabres. If you don't come out with some points, you're going to be in trouble looking at the playoffs. Okay. You just said you would consider moving Jordan Everly this offseason. This is this is what I mean. I'm talking about if you want to go ahead and start reshaping the way the team looks, if you want to have an open spot and opportunity for Oliver Wallstrom to step in, or if you want to go ahead and make a move there for other, you know, possible free agents that are, you know, available there as wings, top six wingers. What we have right now is not getting a job done on top six. I'm yeah. just saying a guy like Jordan Everly has value. If he performs this year, he will have value. And again, it's another guy who's going to be older. You're going to see more diminishing returns long-term with Jordan Everly too. So again, that, that's all I'm talking about. I think Jordan Everly, you know, if he's performing now, that's awesome. It's great for this year. It's great hopefully for next year too, but you're going to see diminishing returns and he does have one of those contracts that are with a lot of, with a lot of, with a lot of term to it. Yeah. He's got three more years left on his contract. Um, that's after this year, after this year. And after this year, Lee, who is nowhere near the player goal scorer that Everly is, is going to have another five years on his contract. And then well, they all, well, they are tying goals this year, grumpy old man. Yeah, I don't care. Jordan Everly has uh, been the goal scorer. Uh, Anders Lee, I, I don't care how many of those right in front of the net goals go, scores that he has. I mean, do you think Anders Lee could have done what Jordan Everly did tonight? Absolutely not. You think Croc? Could have made that move that Everly did score? Absolutely not. Brock would have tried to make his little dipsy-do move, and he would have lost the puck, of course, because that's what he does. It looks good, but then he turns it over every time. Not sometimes, every time. And as soon as I see him, I'm like, here we go, and there's your turnover, and then it comes back the other way. I mean, it's the same thing day after day. I would Everly's not a guy I'm looking to move. Here's the thing. When the expansion draft comes, they all should be exposed, every single one. Well, here's my thing, Grumpy. If you're talking about trying to re-alter the team a little bit, and if Oliver Wallstrom shows, again, long-term, Oliver Wallstrom's not going to be your third-line right wing. You didn't draft him in that spot to say, hey, we're never going to give you a shot at a top-six role. He plays the right-wing position. 
grumpy old man. Unless you're like, hey, time to move Josh Bailey down to the third line, which is fine. I'm fine with that one also, long term. That's fine, grumpy old man. That being said, if you ever did want to acquire some other talent, you shouldn't feel like, hey, we have to keep Jordan Everly. We have to keep all these guys on or, you know, that are currently in our top six winger positions. Um, you know, and it means you can't go ahead and acquire anybody else. I don't look at it like this, Grumpy. If he's going to perform well this year and he's going to be able to provide, you know, a possible trading opportunity there for you. Nothing's off the table with a guy like that. If you're if you're seriously talking about, hey, we need to improve offense, no issue at all trying to move a guy like that who is performing. And again, last year, Jordan Ebley didn't perform well. When it's when when Jordan Ebley's 34 or 35 years old when this contract expires, he is not going to be performing at the level he's performing right now. Agreed. Agreed. It'll be 34. It's better to be it's it's better to be proactive about moving a guy like that. I and mean, he's already, what is he now? A grumpy old man. He's 31 years old, 30, mm-hmm. 31 years old. Again, yeah. you're going to see diminishing returns year over year over year with Jordan Everly. So if he performs really well, it's just like the market grumpy old man. When it's going up like that and you see a certain amount and you say, hey, this is a technical analysis. We're expecting it to decline a little bit or pain is not working off here for us. Go ahead and be proactive with the move, grump. These are your points I'm preaching to you here, grumpy. I understand, but – if you're going to move Jordan Everly, what are you getting back? I mean, I don't think we can afford to move people who score goals right now until we have someone who can actually score goals to fill in for them. If you I mean, if you move Jordan Everly, Grumpy Old Man, you have cap space. And cap space is so important for us because we have young defensive players that we can go ahead and use as draft capital. When you're not up against the cap, you will get more for those younger defensive players than you will if you're up against the cap. That's all, uh, grumpy old man. They probably they probably want uh, so they could re-sign Casey Zizekas to a six-year deal. That's probably what they want to do. We're going to sacrifice Jordan Everly uh, so we can give Casey Zizekas a deal. Oh God, uh, grumpy. Uh, we've got a few more comments here. Too much fist is sticking. Uh, why did yard look so good tonight? The answer: We have no finisher. David sees and grumpy. We need you to become the GM. Compared to the lost Lou, you would be the grumpy young man. And then Brian B chiming in saying, "Do we really? Uh, do I really have to watch the same team again next year for like the tenth season in a row? Can we blow this team up um, again? Like I think I." I'm not. A, I'm not, I've never been in a favor for a, a complete blow up, but like if you're able to go ahead and start slowly integrating in new pieces, I have no issue with that. Blow it up, blow it up, <laughs> blow it up. I mean, but I, honestly, I think they they don't want to do that. I'm going to be serious right here. I think they want to remain as competitive as, as possible moving into the new building. I think that is a huge, huge uh, thought process behind what they're doing because you can't tell me that Lou is this stupid. I honestly don't think he's this dumb. I think, and Trotz is what he is. He's just going to play vets. But I really believe that they're saying, you know what? We need to. We need people in the stands when the new building opens up. That's what I think the whole thing is about right now. Because they have to know. Lamarillo has to know that we're not good enough to compete for Stanley Cup. Unless, once again, the Stanley winning the Stanley Cup is not the goal. The goal is to you know be competitive. You know, make the playoffs. And a lot of fans think that way. Younger fans are like, oh, man, our team's always sucked. Look at us. We had 100 points in a season. Who cares? If you're not winning Stanley Cups or being competitive for Stanley Cup, it doesn't matter. Regular season doesn't matter. That's window dressing. Playoffs, that's where the big boys play. Mm. man. A few more comments here. Matthew S. saying, I'm just livid with tonight's results. Again, a lot of people are. It's a game where really we played well. We should have come away with at least the loser point, and we didn't. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying I'm. You know, happy that we lost, but we played well. Um, you know, it's much worse if we come out and we're flat and we get rolled by a crap team. Ooh, nice fire hydrant. Uh, you know, that's the type of thing that drives me crazy. It makes me or losing to Philadelphia. Those are the things that that make me that drive me crazy, honestly. But you know, we played well today and a couple of mistakes. And it's just it's just frustrating because we don't have the talent to win games like that. If if we don't get a couple of lucky breaks, we're not going to beat really good teams. Yeah, grumpy old man. Uh, David C saying the identity line should be renamed to the invisible line, grumpy old man. And as well here, Darren chiming in. Darren Z saying we simply can't finish again. It's been the issue. It will continue to be the issue. When we lose games, it's not going to be because our defense or our goaltending was hideous, albeit today goaltending probably could have been a little better. But it's not going to be like, oh, we surrendered eight or nine goals because our defense was terrible. It's going to be, oh, wow, we couldn't use – and generally speaking, it's going to be we can't go ahead and match the offensive firepower the other team has. So when they're on target and they're putting in all their opportunities and chances, we're not able to keep up offensively with that. Yeah, I'm going back to the identity line thing. I would call them the D zone line uh, because that's where they spend all their time in the defensive zone. That said, I thought they looked a little bit better in stretches today. Once again, giving credit where credit's due. For stretches, they looked okay today. Of course, Matt Martin misses a shot, and you know Butch always going to make an excuse for him because he's one of those vets. Oh well, he was just a little bit too aggressive. You know, sometimes you go a little bit too hard where a little bit more patience would have helped out. Yeah, okay. If it was one of the young guys, well, God, how come you didn't stop? You should have done that. You know, come on, Butch. Stop stop, stop carrying uh, Barry and lose water for that. To my specific saying, just talking about our earlier comments about Adam Henrique, we do not have the cap space for Adam Henrique. Um, Adam Henrique is a perfect Islander. Overpaid. Adam Henrique, is a, Adam Henrique is a perfect Islander, overpaid, underachieving, 30-plus-years-old player on a long-term deal. He is typical on the player, and we can make room for him. We could trade Matt Barzal, and we could slide him right in as number one center. Give him uh, a for, a, for a, a second and a third round draft pick. Oh, there you go, grumpy old man. Um, okay, gotcha. I'm just siphoning here through grumpy old man here. Um, gotcha. Uh, Patrick V saying, I wish grumpy old man would have been the GM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grumpy, you seem like you are hitting hitting a little bit of a. <laughs> it's common sense, people. It's common sense. I mean, you're trading around away first and second round draft picks for guys in their thirties, defenseman thirty seven years old, and I heard it again today from Butch. Oh, that pairing, you know, he's been so good for Noah Dobson, Andy Green. Well, Andy Green was good for Noah Dobson last year, and I think he's a good player, but. Noah Dobson has passed him by now. He absolutely has. And now he covers for Andy Green. So is that helping Noah Dobson where he's got to cover for his defense, for his 38-year-old defense partner? I don't think so. I mean, J.G. Pajot, as much as I like him, and I do, I think he's fantastic. I love one of my favorite players. He gave up a first and the second-round draft pick for a third-line center. A little bit of an overpay. Hmm. Grumpy. Uh, I'm scanning through. I have something that is going to – I think it's going to – for most people, it's going to cause them to worry a little bit, and rightfully so. It's just talking about the way our schedule looks here. Uh, uh, Phil also saying, love you guys. Love you too there, Phil. Uh-oh. 
Oh, goodness. Uh, Bruce King is in the chat here. We're just reading through here. Vinny Smith saying, Bailey doesn't cover the point ever. Game over. Any other guys does this and he gets benched. Josh Bailey's one of the sacred cows on this team, so nothing's going to happen to him. He couldn't, like I said, he could have been a little bit more aggressive coming out uh, on the tang on that last goal, but he looks like he didn't know what to do. For a guy who's so smart, it looks like he didn't know what to do. Uh, so he just, well, what can I do? Let me block Barlamov's vision. That'll probably help him. Uh, two minutes of pessimistic saying, whoa, grumpy. Oh, okay. Mrs. Two minutes of pessimistic saying, whoa, grumpy is feisty tonight. Yeah, I'll tell you, grumpy. This is more what I expected in post games. I, I, I see grumpy starting to get a little more comfortable in the post game. Maybe it's just that time of the hour, grumpy. You feel more comfortable with this time of the hour here, grump. No, it's just sometimes I get worked up. Like I said, certain games get me worked up. Other ones don't. I'm, you know, it's even, it's worse during the game. Like when I see Josh Bailey do his, useless routine out there i'm screaming at the television uh but it doesn't help i was waiting to drop this here grump and this is about our schedule you want to talk about the importance of the schedule and how the games lay out for us this three game stretch is important no or this next four game stretch is important boston once you play the penguins again twice and you play the sabers grumpy old man Starting on March, I'm sorry, starting on March the 16th, we have a stretch um, from March the 16th until April the 8th, where we play the Washington Capitals three times, the Philadelphia Flyers five times, the Boston Bruins twice, and the Pittsburgh Penguins twice. Over that entire stretch, we play Washington, Philadelphia, Boston, and Pittsburgh. Holy crap. You want to talk about we have 12 games over that stretch, Grumpy Old Man. Washington three times, Philly five times, Boston twice, Pittsburgh twice. That is going to be the meat and the potatoes of our entire season. That stretch right there will make or break our season. You're hearing me talk about it now. <laughs> that, that stretch right there is going to make or break our season. How many times? It's Washington three times? Washington three times, the Flyers five times, Boston twice, and the Pittsburgh Penguins twice. Well, I mean, I realize things change, but Washington's just absolutely dominated us when they played us this year, and that's without their big players. So I don't expect that to change. I think we've played Boston very well. Uh, both times we played them. Philadelphia, I think we've outplayed them. Um, Pittsburgh, I think we've actually played up with them. The fact is we can't score goals. If we don't score goals, we don't win those games. If we score goals, we will win those games. It's just that plain and simple. I don't think we've, with the exception of Washington, who's owned us this year so far, it's only been two games, but I think we match up with all those teams. But we don't have the offensive firepower where if we make a mistake or two, the game's over. I mean, that's what that's what's costing us. I'm just putting it like this here, Grumpy. I know we've matched up well against those teams. Those teams right there – all four of those teams are competing consistently for that playoff spot and for a playoff spot. And when you have a 12-game stretch and every single one of those are against a legitimate playoff contender, 
I'm just saying that is a tough part of your schedule. The thing is, we have to rack up some points here starting March the 2nd. And again, this is after our Sunday game next week against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We play the Devils and the Sabres here. We Obviously, we have one game scheduled in there against the Bruins. But you play three games against the Sabres, three games against the Devils in your next seven. You really have to take advantage of that time period and that stretch. If you're unable to do so, you're going to be ruining it. Because again, Grumpy, I mean, you look at this schedule here. That is a fierce-looking schedule against the Flyers, the Penguins, the Washington Capitals, and the Boston Bruins. That is a lot of games against some real playoff competitors and contenders. And you realize that uh, three of those teams, one, one of those teams is in first place. The other three are tied with us for second. Yes. Four teams are tied for second place. And I'm going to tell you again, it's going to come down to us and Pittsburgh for that final playoff spot. I really believe that. I think Philadelphia is going to make it. I feel Washington is going to make it. Boston is going to make it. And it's going to come between us and Pittsburgh, which is what I said, I believe, at the beginning of the year. I said it's going to come down to us and them. Uh, grumpy old man here. Uh, I'll tell you. Um Okay, he's talking about, Brish is talking about here the fighting and the retaliation. Uh, Trotz does not tolerate retaliating. And again, I'll put it like this. I get it. He doesn't 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 tolerate retaliating, which is the same reason why you see Ross Johnson very rarely fighting, if at all. I'm just putting it to you like this. If that is any other team in the league, and that's Sidney Crosby, that's Patrick Kane, that's their star marquee player, and they get absolutely hammered and boarded from behind by a player who last year in the playoffs took a cheap and dirty shot at another one of the veterans on your team and launches his body at another one of your players' heads, you know what? Every single opportunity, they don't forget that type of stuff. And the human nature of you is to say, you know what? You're going to pay for what you've just done. We're not going to get bullied and pushed around. I hate a team that gets bullied and pushed around. And again, I think we responded well after the fact. And I saw you would be shocked, Grumpy. There are people upset with Anders Lee taking that two-minute penalty for cross-checking Matheson in the face there with this. Oh, technically, he didn't take a penalty because they scored on the empty net goal afterwards. But there are people upset with that move. Well, you know what? Uh, I don't know. Are there, is there anybody who listens to this podcast? <laughs> I'm just saying, on, on social on social media, on social media, grown people, man, people people were upset. Like you know what I mean? Hey, Anders Lee, you're a class guy. Why would you do something like that? I look at it like this: you can't get pushed around out there on the ice. I had no problem at all. And honestly, that was the perfect time to take that penalty too, or that. That delayed that possible delayed penalty there, Grumpyfield man, because they're just going to walk in and score on the empty net goal anyway. You know what? You pay for going ahead and cross checking our best player on the team and boarding him right there where he could have been out for serious time. Let me put it to these Gen X millennials, whoever who thought he was a little bit. Oh, you shouldn't have retaliated. Why would you go and retaliate when you hit our guy? Let's turn the other cheek. I mean, if you even have a job, let's say you have a job and you work for somebody, it'd be like your boss or somebody from another company coming in and taking a dump on your desk. And you just look, oh, okay, I'll just clean that up. And then he takes a whiz on you. Oh, don't do that. What should I do? You, sometimes you got to stick up for yourself. Hockey is a sport. It's a man's sport, okay? You need to get out there. You can't let somebody push you around because then that's the way the Rangers used to be. They used to let the Bruins push them around. They were far more talented than the than the uh, Bruins back in the 70s, but they let themselves get pushed around. The same thing against the Flyers. Those teams win because they want to win. There's a certain thing that you need. It's called toughness. The tough teams win. How many times do you see the little scaredy-cat teams win a cup? Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Year after year, had the most talent on the team. Until they got some guys who weren't afraid to mix it up, 
They didn't win anything. As soon as they get those guys, a little bit of sandpaper in the, on their lineup, they're all of a sudden Stanley Cup champions. It's not a mistake. Yeah, again, like you always have to have a little bit of that tough and you're grumpy. Uh, Bruce Kingston said, we missed Taze production big time. That's a good point. I've been talking with other Islander fans who are saying, oh, you know, not a big deal. We lost Taves. Some people argue he's not even a t- – and again, some people don't like – Devon Taves, and I'm not sure if it's just because the fact that he's gone. Now it's like, hey, we don't value him as much. Uh, but Devon Taves has three goals as well this year. Again, for a defensive core that only has three goals as a whole, and we have you know our trigger man position on our first power play unit, the role is filled by a defenseman. You would expect more than three goals from our defense 17 games in. So we're looking for answers. We're looking for goals. Has to be done there on the wings. We need a little more production there from the top six. We also need a little bit more offensive production there from defensemen there on that power play unit. Again, I get it. They're making some assists, and the power play's been successful. In the same token, man, oh, man, three goals by our defense, 17 games into the season. That's something also important to watch here long-term, Grumpy. I'm interested to see how long that trend will continue. Yeah, but you're talking about Taves, right? Well, you know something? What he did was cover up for the weaknesses in Scott Mayfield's game. Nick Letty doesn't do that. Sometimes you don't appreciate somebody until they're gone. Uh, and like I said, I like Devontae. He only played a year and a half in the league because, once again, he wasn't going to play up on the big league team, even though he was more than ready because we wanted to give Thomas Hickey a chance, regardless that he was the best player, the best defender in that training camp, but he wants to go with the veterans. Just another example of the Barry Trotz, the way he thinks. But Hickey gets hurt. Taves comes in halfway through the season, and he never leaves. Uh, he wally, winds up Wally Pipping Thomas Hickey, which is what it, what he deserved. Uh, but you look at you look at Mayfield now, and Mayfield when he played with Taves, you see the difference. I do. That second pairing is a disaster most nights, and today was not. It was another example of the same thing. They played well together. Devon Taves able to move the puck. He's able to create offense. That's what we're missing from the back end, right? You're, I was about to say, you, we really understand the magnitude and the ability of Devon Taves and what he had because the mesh has not been there with Scott Mayfield and Nick Letty. And Nick Letty plays a sort of similar game to Devon Taves. They have the sort of similar game style. They're both, you know, speedy defensemen. They both can move the puck, et cetera. But in the same token, we have seen how much we've missed Devon Taves with the defensive lapses we have there on that second defensive pairing here, Grumpy Old Man. Uh, Brush saying here, uh, Bellis had his chance. Uh, he messed up, and now he deserves to take a seat. Yeah, for certain. Again, like if, again, I will. it's worth taking with a grain of salt, though. Hadn't played in two and a half weeks, didn't play well. He should take a seat. My thing is this. I think Zarnak had played extremely well when he was given the opportunity. Why not roll the dice on a guy like that if Michael Doug holes out? That that's that's always the biggest thing for me. Why not go ahead and roll the dice with a guy like Sarnak who played well in the one game he had received action in? My thing is, one game is not enough of a shot. I'm sorry. Leo Komarov has been abysmal, for except for one game this year. He's been horrible every game he's been out there. But he gets shot after shot. It's the double standard that drives me crazy. It's, not, it's only because he's young. That's the only reason why he's not getting a shot. Komarov just sucks, but he gets a shot every other game. We're going to keep on rolling him out there. Why? Well, because he was a great player 10 years ago. I could care less if he was a good player 10 years ago. He sucks now. That's all that really matters. Mm, grumpy old man. Uh, here we go. David C. Here's a comment here. Why doesn't – oh, gosh. Why doesn't our awful beat writers ask Barry why Sarnak never plays? Are they afraid that Lou will give the hard – will give him a hard time? Saying. The little brown noses. That's why. 
Lou will cut him off. They don't get any news out of him now. When I hear Staple just giving him a giving Trotz a layup question, I'm surprised they don't. This is what this is what I think the Islanders do. They hand them the question list out to the guys. Well, even though I guess they're doing it virtually, I'm sure they type it up. These are the questions you can ask. Hey, Barry, uh, Bello sucked today on that one play, and his what's his and his favorite color is blue. Is that why he's not playing? I mean, you know, just real softball questions. They just lay up for them, and they have those answers just teed up. Makes me sick. Yeah, Brush. Again, like you're you're asking if we're blaming tonight's loss on certain players. I again, I'm not blaming it on any one particular player. And again, I'll reiterate that. I'll reiterate it here. I think that there were certain lapses on our team. Like for example, Barzal didn't come back and back check hard enough on that second goal where Matheson was able to pot it in. You know what I mean? When you look at an isolated instance, okay, that's you know that's a mistake that Barzal wants back. The first goal that Varlamov wants in is a mistake that Varlamov wants back on that high stick side. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, even on that second on that third goal he let in, that's probably a goal honestly he wants back as well, as great as he's been this season. I'm just saying there's a few goals that he wanted back. I'm not putting a loss on anybody. I'm just saying there's certain instances that generated there that loss and it's not on any one particular player tonight and just watch i want everyone to watch the next few games uh to see if teams start picking at that uh high stick side on varlamov i know it's something i'm going to be looking at yeah that's definitely something we can look for scott saying sorry i'm late here uh it's all on chris Lamarillo and brett thompson for why they can't develop players. You want to develop defensemen. Uh, Thompson is decent at that. And the Islanders developmental coaching staff stinks. Get new coaches. I'll tell you, it's, I wonder how many more times Bridgeport is going to get shut out this season. It's, dude, I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I know people subscribe there to watch the AHL games. Number one, I hope you canceled the subscription just because the Islander or the, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers are only playing 24 games. Man, oh man, that is, you want to talk about tough to watch hockey. That is some real tough to watch hockey, especially with the way the damn Bridgeport Sound Tigers are playing. That there's no offensive creativity down there. It's that's that's real tough hockey to watch, Grump. Well, I've, watched think, a few, I've watched a few games here or there. Man, oh man, it's tough. Well, I think if you have low blood pressure issues, uh, watch some of those Bridgeport games, and that'll get your BP up. Well, hold on. Maybe it's like this. It's like you know when you go to, to see like a lesser college or like a high school game, you don't really expect a lot. So maybe that's the expectation you have to go in. That's not the expectation I went with a few times. And again, I've I've seen a few AHL games live and everything like that too. And always the biggest the biggest uh, distinguishing factor for me, at least that I've noticed, is the people that are able to skate. Those are the people that really excel down there in the A. At least in my opinion. I whenever I watch an AHL game or a, a, a you know juniors game. I look at individual players, particularly guys who are affiliated with the Islanders, who have a future. I don't watch any of the, the old garbage, the Tanner Fritzes, the whatever junk they throw out there for most of these lines. But I would watch Casper, um, and he pissed me off. Um, but those, that's, those are the type of players I like, a, a Koibla, if he's playing down there. Those are, I want to see those guys, the guys who have a shot, who are young enough where they could contribute to the team in some way. And those are the guys that I like to watch and see how they develop, if there's any skill set that they have that others don't. Those are the type of things I look for. I, I don't look – honestly, I don't care if they win or lose, uh, but I do want to see individual players succeed. 
We're talking here. We got a few here, and it's funny, Grumpy. This is all about you talked about the beat writers. David C saying here, our beat writers are garbage. Never once did they ask Lou why he failed at acquiring a top six forward. And before you comment here, Grumpy got a few more. Uh, Bruce saying, if any beat writer asked a question, they would be fired on the spot. Vinny Smith also saying the beat writers are awful. Uh, they refuse to see. They refuse to see. Uh, Bailey has not scored a power play goal in over fifty games. Yeah. Well, like I said, all the media is the same. Uh, you, I mean, like I said, Bailey started had a couple of good games. He's got a bunch of assists. Like he's got five assists now in seven games. And you know, now they're just they're pumping. Oh, Josh Bailey, look, he's so smart. If I idea how freaking smart that guy is. I mean, I mean, maybe he is smart. You know what? Then coach because you can't play. Grumpy. Uh, Kevin B saying, uh, most underrated Islanders podcast, no cap Grumpy. I'll tell you, Grumpy is exactly what he feels comes right out of his mouth. That's uh, right. So I'll tell you one thing. I always worry. It's like one of those things with Grumpy Old Man. When he starts speaking and he starts getting on a roll, I'm really worried what's going to come out of your mouth next, Grumpy, because you're so spontaneous. There's literally anything that comes in your head. And it's just like a lot of times I'm either left laughing or I'm just left in. Uh, <laughs> I, sometimes you do bring up a lot of profound points, though, Grumpy. What can I tell you? I'm here for entertainment and uh, intelligent purposes only, both. <sighs> Grumpy old man. Uh, I'm just gathering here. Thank uh, you for that, by the way, Kevin. Yes, thank you, Kevin. We do appreciate it here. Um, uh, Bruce saying, obviously, Grumpy has never gone to or seen a Bridgeport game in person either, I guess. Right. I get, I, I've, seen, I've seen quite a few Bridgeport games. I don't see them. Again, like I used to watch – I used to watch Bridgeport when they played the area I lived in when they played that local AHL affiliate. Never went to a home Bridgeport game, but I'd watch them when they come into town. Now, what I remember used to watching some real old time Bridgeport games. It feels like with the host sayings back when he was young too, grumpy old man. Oh wow, we're ticking back the clock. Yeah, I haven't been to any Bridgeport games this year, and I don't plan to. Well, with COVID, where you can't. So. Yeah. So, but I mean, like I said, I haven't watched a Bridgeport game this year at all. Um, it sounds like I haven't missed much, uh, but I have I have watched them online numerous times, just not this year, though. Not with the Islanders scheduled the way it is. I don't have time to watch Bridgeport games. Mm. Well, they're at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The thing is, I get to watch a few of them, though, because I just like put them on at lunch, lunch hour like that. So I do enjoy that a little bit, Grump. Um, uh, Bill Brady saying, Wallstrom plays better every game. And again, I think he's starting to find his groove and his stride there a little bit. Oh, he's got Oliver Wallstrom there in his little profile picture. Um, so again, obviously a big Oliver Wallstrom supporter here. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it, we, we do need to start. Hopefully he'll go ahead and get, um, some forward momentum going where he can go ahead and fight there for a, a real shot at a top six role here. If not the end of this year by next year. Okay. Who's, who are you going to sit out? It's you're going to have the same issue that you have every year. You have all these guys on the top two, uh, on the top two lines signed to long-term deals, every single one of them with the exception of Bavillier, right? So where is Wallstrom going to play? That's the thing when you sign a bunch of ham and eggers to long-term deals and you automatically cement their spots on the first two lines, how is there a chance for somebody to move up? Those are the things that just, I mean, 
Well, this, that's that's going to be a thing. That's going to be that's going to be the most interesting part to see how Lou Lamarillo is able to handle that. And I think that's really what's going to define his tenure as an Islanders general manager. Because you know, don't get me wrong, excellent general manager there with the Devils. Again, he put a lot of pieces on the Toronto team. Again, they have never won anything. They've never been successful in the playoffs, which is always worth taking a grain of salt. But it's that, I think that is what's going to define his tenure with the Islanders. Is like as these older guys are tied to these huge contracts how he's able to handle their diminishing returns long-term and as they're tied to huge cap, what he does in order to get them either off of the payroll and what the next steps are. That is going to define him as a general manager, in my opinion. Well, you look at his – and he was really good when he was with the Devils, absolutely. For certain. But you look at him – you look at Toronto and you look at the Islanders when he was a GM. At Toronto, all offense built on young players – but could never manage, no matter what, with all the talent he had, could never manage to pick up anyone who played defense. Never, ever. That's why they lost every year to Boston in the first round. Boston was too physical and wore them out and on the defensive end. And he comes to the Islanders, all defense, no offense, and he can't do anything to improve the offense. It makes me question him as a GM at this stage of his career. He was unable to make the necessary changes in Toronto, and so far he's proven for the Islanders he's not capable of making the necessary changes here either. We'll see. We'll see on that one. Again, we've seen – I like to take everything with a grain of salt and play devil's advocate. We have seen production and upward trajectory in the playoffs the last two years. I'm not saying it's going to result in a Stanley Cup grumpy, so hold your horses before you get angry, I'm sure, here. Um, I'm just saying we have seen that upward trajectory there, so maybe – if things do continue you know hopefully you can make the stanley cup finals i don't think that's happening this year uh there's a lot i'll tell you one thing it all depends on how that that 50 or that 12 game stretch goes there in late march to early april i'm talking about team building as a general manager when you see a weakness in your team like with toronto no defense for years and years and years and he did nothing absolutely nothing to make that better didn't even try and then he comes here. He did try. He did draft some defensemen that just didn't pan out. One guy, Morgan O'Reilly, that was the only guy, right? The only guy. But he never went out and tried to acquire anybody to improve the defense. The new guy came in, and he made moves to try to improve the defense. I'm not saying it worked out, but at least he tried. Here, the same thing. Lamarillo has done nothing to improve the offense. He's been here three years now. He did. Okay, Jean-Gabriel Pajot did help improve the offense, but nothing to improve the top six. Sure. That's where your goal scoring comes from is your top six. And he's done nothing. And he two years ago, he admitted it. We need to improve our top six. We need to rule our goal scoring. Well, what have you done? Because that is a valid question, and nobody asked it in the media. What have you done as the general manager from when you said two and a half years ago, we need to improve our offense? What have you done as the GM to improve our offense in two and a half years? And don't tell me J.G. Pajot. He's a third-line center. What have you done? You've crippled us salary cap-wise by signing guys like Average, Eberly, and Nelson to long-term deals, signing the $6 million man this offseason. Who knows what you're going to do with Casey Zedekas. You need high-end talent on this team. and Until you get it, you're not going to improve the offense. If you sign Casey Zedekas back, is he going to improve your offense? No. Gotcha, you're grumpy. Uh, if they plan on rebuilding, Everly would get us a first this season. Again, I'm talking more offseason if they were to do anything like that. Um, I'm just saying if they were thinking about trying to change things up, because let's look at it like this. If they don't make the playoffs this year, 
I, I don't think you can roll out next season and say, we're just going to roll the same exact casting crew minus one player that we lost in the expansion draft from last year. You can't continue to roll out the same thing if it's not going ahead and really making you a, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, in my personal opinion here, Grump. Do you remember, TJ, when you asked me what we were going to do in the offseason and what did I say? This before Nothing. the offseason? Nothing. We did, we, did, we did bring in a few guys, but we just haven't used them. Uh, okay, so in other words, we've done nothing. We've done nothing to noticeably in, uh, increase the talent level on his team. Picking up a guy like Zarnak, uh, he's not a first-line player. He's not a second-line player. Matter of fact, he doesn't play for us at all. But somehow we managed to roll him. We uh, we managed to make a deal. That's our big deal for the offseason, picking up Timishov, Timidshov. We picked him up. He's done nothing. I knew we weren't going to do anything. He's really, with the exception of last year's trade deadline, when he picked up Pajot and uh, Green, and overpays for both. He's done nothing in his tenure as GM. I don't want to hear that he brought in the $6 million man. It doesn't matter. I mean, it is what it is. But like I said, for me, I'm just kind of disappointed in the direction that we're going. I just don't see it as something that's going to result in the Stanley Cup championship. We just get older every day. And that, to me, is very, very frustrating. Now, I don't know if TJ just disappeared, probably because he couldn't take the intelligence from the grumpy old man but that's fine because I'll just keep on talking. It never really matters to me. And the only thing is now, see, I get to see some of the comments, but not the ones TJ picks out. So I'm just going to pick out the ones that make me look good. Scott Levy says, Grumpy has a fan base called Grumpy's Groupies. Well, you know something? I think that's fantastic. I love it. Uh, Scott, thank you very much. David Cutler says, Grump is my therapist. I like that too. I'm always oh, Grump, here. Grump, are you not uh, Grumpy? What, what were you doing? You're reading comments by yourself. What's going well, on? I thought you went, I thought you, maybe you had to go refill your water jug or something like that. So I'm just going to read comments. And here's the ones that make me look good. Those are the ones I'm talking about. Oh, Grumpy, Grumpy, Grumpy. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of all of that there for you. Um, yeah, and again, I. Too much business. We can't blow up this team. We have no young forwards to play now. I'm, I think there needs to be a slow retooling. And I've said this since day one when Lamarillo got here. I think we need to do a slow retool. I think we need to slowly phase guys out. Too much pessimistic is 100% right. But if you continue to draft guys who are you know, projected to be third and fourth liners, how are you ever going to do that? You have to draft guys who have high-end talent. And so far, he's, he's not shown, even when he's had the opportunity to do it, he hasn't done it. And that is frustrating for me as a fan. It really is. Uh, Bruce saying, thank God Grumpy is not the general manager, LOL. Uh, I don't know what Brush is talking about. I, mean, <laughs> I know I could do better than Lou could do right now. Uh, Lou's done nothing. Lou's done nothing. I could do better than nothing. <laughs> he's had people talking about the team. That's all I can say. Here we go. And he's also saying here, too, Ms. Pessimist, uh, they will sell out uh, UBS the first year just due to the novelty, not due to the talent on the ice. Yeah, I, I think I think that's it. But you know what? You want people to come back, you're going to have to put out a better product. Yeah, I'll tell you this here, Grumpy. Um, what does the grumpy old man think of Lake Tahoe debacle? You want to talk about It's funny. I actually visited Lake Tahoe, I guess, in 2020. Uh, first time visiting there. Very, very nice picturesque. And when I heard that they were going to be playing a game in Lake Tahoe, I mean, like, it's, I could imagine, like, oh man, that's something that, you know, if there was no COVID, I would have loved to see something like that. It's a great scenery and everything like that. Why on God's green earth, Grumpy Old Man, did they schedule that for an early game time? I mean, the sun was out and it just made it impossible to keep the ice in good shape. I feel bad. Well, why? Why did they do it? Because they want to get the games on national TV. That's why. 
So I, I, they probably didn't think it was going to be an issue. I mean, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Yeah. And I don't know if that's how it normally is in Lake Tahoe. I've never been there. Uh, but I feel bad for the NHL. I mean, it was it's a beautiful uh, scenery. I saw no snow on the ground, and I'm like, uh-oh. And then they said the sun being so bright was causing problems with the ice. Uh, you know, kudos for them putting on, uh, saying that they're going to postpone it until later today. Uh, I, I mean, that's all you could do. I mean, they made the best of a bad circumstance. I was about to say, Grump, I'll tell you this much. I've been there. It's it is it's exactly what you expect. It's dry. There's no humidity. Again, I it's the furthest West Coast I had ever been. Um, but there's no humidity. It's sunny, man. It is sunny all the time. Um, but like 90 degrees feels nice out there. It's, it's odd because there's no humidity to it, Grump. Um, yeah, that being said, though, oof, I, I know they were trying to obviously – the idea was great. Execution just wasn't there. And again, like it's unfortunate. It wasn't cold enough there during that time period. There's not a cloud in the sky. Oh man, oh man. It's, it's problems they often have with the outside games. You know, you could schedule them so far out, but you never know what the weather conditions are going to be when it actually comes time to play the game. And it's just, you know, you roll the dice and hope things work out for the best. Uh, and Brian B saying, this is a 500 team. Check, please. Hey, uh, you know what? I don't want to say that because I want people to come back every week to listen to us. <laughs> So I'm not going to say that. Sorry, Brian. You can't get me to agree on that right now. Hold on. Grumpy, I like this comment from Joe H. Saying, grumpy old man used to sell pretzels and a shopping cart at the Coliseum back in the 80s. Grump, were you selling pretzels back in the 80s at the Coliseum? I was buying pretzels off that shopping cart. <laughs> but I was selling at those rock concerts. I was selling those knockoff T-shirts from the bands that used to come play. Oh, grumpy old man, where they could like, have a word misspelled or something like that. No, like, they, no, no, they just, no, they just, you know, for 10 bucks, you get a shirt, you pay, you know, 25. Well, here's the thing. I don't know what the prices are now, but back then you pay $25 uh, in the stadium and you get one that looks just as good. Okay. Maybe the shirt isn't as good. You know, you wear it a couple of times. It stretches out here, you know, not the best material, but they always look cool. And, you know, for 10 bucks, you sell one of those shirts as opposed to 25. That's what I, and I used to buy those too. I'd always buy the cheaper ones outside as opposed to the ones inside. You're a venture capitalist, Grump. You said you were selling them or just buying? Well, I'd buy them too. I didn't always sell them. Okay. How venture capitalist, you're Grumpy. How do you think I came up with the idea of selling? I saw these guys making hand over fist on knockoff t shirts. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm buying them. I'm like, might as well get on the deal too. That was a long time ago. Long time. <laughs> Two especially saying Islanders meet up with Grumpy one day. If you come to San Diego, you guys are invited to our meetup. There you go, Grump. Uh, got a little meetup there in San Diego. We've been there. Um, we've well, I've never been to San Diego. We've been there to the Islanders meetups there in Charlotte. Um, I know, like for the first game of the season, what was it now like two or three years ago, Grumpy? I can't remember. We're not in Charlotte in Raleigh, North Carolina, against the Hurricanes. I cannot even remember the result of the game. I just remember it was a crazy group of guys. And we won, and that piece of garbage Bailey scored the winner in overtime. I was sitting right there, and I saw the shot. First of all, I couldn't believe he shot it, and I'm like, holy crap, he actually scored. That's <laughs> Bailey. Yep. Oh goodness! Grumpy. It was wide open. I mean, it was wide. I would have been shot. Um, I actually, I was surprised he shot. The net was wide open. I still thought he passed out. Uh, Phil's saying here, I predict we do make the playoffs over Pittsburgh. Uh, we beat the Bruins in the first round of the Caps. After that, we'll be okay, guys. Bad luck tonight. Um, yeah, I was about to say it's it's all about what the meat and potatoes part of the schedule looks like. That twelve game stretch over about like a month time period from. Um, 
mid-March to mid-April. That is going to determine what's going on with our season. It's weird. You know what I mean? Like in an ideal, in an ideal scenario, you'd like to kind of have it spread out where you get some, you know, I'm using air quotes for everybody who's listening to this and post, you know, some easier easier opponents mixed in with some of the tougher opponents. You don't want to have a stretch of 12 games where you're playing, again, the tough and rumble teams of the division. Well, you're going to find out if you're good enough in those 12 games. So if we come out, you know, we get out of 24 points, we come out with 16 points or 18, I feel really happy. Oh, grumpy old man here. Um, Scott saying that's when we that's when we need a Clark Gillies. If any opponent breathed on Bossy uh, or Tradia Gillies would come and beat the crap out of them. They weren't the only ones. Nystrom, Gordy Lane, uh, Dave Longevin. You never saw you never saw anybody take a run at Mike Bossy. Now Trotch could protect himself. He was really good with the stick. Nobody really ran at him. But Bossy, guys like to try to take a run at Bossy. That's why Gillies was on that line for certain. Nobody took a nobody ever went after Bossy. Gillies was double tough. You didn't and, and hockey was so much better back then. I can't even tell you. So much better, so much more fun to watch. I mean, there was fights every night. It was so great. I mean, I can't even I feel bad for the young fans of today. They don't see people fight. It was fantastic. I mean, there was a reason why you had to have guys who were physical on there. Like I said, it's a man's – or it was a man's sport. They're trying to turn it into uh, ballet and figure skating now. But there's just that element of the physicality of hockey was fantastic. Mike Bossy, like I said, could never play for this team because he would have got run over uh, and no one would have stuck up for him. Quick question, Grumpy. Do you remember John Scott? John Scott, yes, I do. We won the MVP of the All-Star game one year. Yeah, the big old bruiser, the big bruiser who barely barely made a scratch up there in the NHL. It's funny. He's got a podcast I listen to, Grumpy Old Man, or listen to a bit. You talk about how they're kind of changing the game. That's the same exact aspect and the same exact mindset you took, Grumpy. He he always thought when they had the COVID protocols saying that certain leagues, they were not going to allow any body checking. He said this is a way that they're going to go ahead and annex into no more body checking because now it's gone ahead and lowered the amount of concussions. And it's funny that's kind of hear that take how they're trying to alter the game that's kind of the same exact feeling he had again another guy who was close to the game and played it there for a long time he feels the same exact way you do Grump. maybe they want to turn it into like women's hockey where they're not allowed to check well yeah and women's, women's hockey it's a completely different game almost it looks like out there there's no checking like that again there's injuries i'm sure the number of injuries are a lot lower though too who cares Maybe it's their idea. Let's see if we can incorporate women to play in the men's game. There's no checking. They can't possibly get hurt. They can't play either. But that doesn't seem to really matter. Let's see if we can. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Okay, Grumpy. Uh, moving on from that here. Scott saying uh, Grumpy has a fan base called Grumpy's Groupies. I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad you mentioned it because I already called that one out. Scott's the man. <laughs> I'll tell you, Scott, and everybody out there, you got to make sure you don't inflate Grumpy's head too big. He won't be able to make it up to the bedroom tonight where he goes to sleep. Uh, yep, and then I heard you earlier saying Grump is my therapist. Oh, Grumpy old man here. Separated at birth, Grumpy and Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells was absolutely fantastic coach. Great. I love Bill Parcells. It's a funny story, right? Giants fan, right? I know some people, my brother is one who he thought I should have been pissed when Bill Parcells left the Giants after they won their second Super Bowl. But I was never pissed at Bill Parcells that he didn't want to coach anymore because without him, 
the Giants were absolute freaking losers for like years. From when I was a kid, rooting for the Giants when I was a kid was like rooting for the Islanders now before Parcells got there. They never got, they never won anything. They very rarely made the playoffs when Ray Perkins came, what came in as a coach. They made the playoffs one year and that was big success. And then Parcells comes in, has a bad year. The next one he says, I'm going to do it my own way. And they win two Super Bowls. I was just ecstatic that we won two Super Bowls. When you're when you root for a loser team for a long time, any success is like fantastic. So I could never blame him for leaving. Just like Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Perennial losers. Brady goes there, they win a Super Bowl now, right? Those people are going to be in seventh heaven for who knows? They're going to be talking about that win forever. Well, it's the same thing. I don't think New England fans are upset that Brady left because, you know, I think I'd be more upset with management <laughs> that they let him leave. But it's one of those things where it's like, hey, we understand. Thank you for winning us. <laughs> that, you know, six Super Bowls. And, well, Bill Parcells, I'll tell you what, he called it like he saw it. He did not mince any words. That's why I liked him. Grumpy old man, that's where you channel your inner Bill Parcells. Uh, Anthony uh, F. saying, uh, you're right, we're getting older every day. Why don't we try a Wallstrom with Barzal line? That would only that, – because that would be common sense. That's why. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. He's, he would be absolutely petrified to put Barzal and Wallstrom out there. They might actually create offense and not come back and play defense all the time. That's why he'd never do it. I was about to say, you want to talk about – the defensive liability. I'm pretty sure that Barry Trotz would not get a wink of sleep if he were to put Matt Barzal and Oliver Wallstrom on the same line. No, <laughs> He's thinking never. about the defensive liability out there on the, on the ice would kill him. Uh, Phil saying, Phil yeah, saying, I love you both. Uh, thank you there, Phil. Uh, Scott saying, Grumpy, get those shirts made of Grumpy's groupies. I, you know what, Grumpy? We do have, like, with the Hockey Podcast Network, they give us a chance where we get to, like, make our own merchandise and everything like that. I think that's I, – I, I like the name Grumpy's groupies. I think, Scott, I think you're on to something. I think maybe we got to make, like, a design of the Grumpy's groupies or something like that. <laughs> Scott, you're not going to make any money off of that. I'm sorry. I'll tell you one thing, Scott. I don't think we're going to make any money off of that, but it's going to be an awesome little gag, and I'll make sure to wear my Grumpy's Groupies T-shirt. Uh, David, I'd get one. Hi, oh, yeah, Grumpy. Uh, David C. saying here, uh, McDavid has thirty-seven points. He had five tonight. The Islanders all season long have forty-one goals all season long. Again, while well, Edmonton has their own issues, they they're another team that doesn't play any defense. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine what. If, if, David, if Connor McDavid played for us, he'd have 12 points. Well, how many does Barzell have? Do you know how many points he's got? Has he got 16, 18? I can't tell you off the top of my head, girl. Okay. He would, I'll tell you what. He wouldn't have 37 points. I guarantee you that. And he probably would have been benched a number of times too because he didn't play enough defense. I was about to say, I wonder what the what the mindset with him – because Connor McDavid is one of those guys who's going to be one of those generational-type players. And you think to yourself, okay, would he try to go ahead and make a circle or a weirdly shaped piece like a Connor McDavid into whatever square piece he wanted, like into a square – you know, fit it in the square hole? I mean, if he hasn't proven that to you after watching him coach for three years, then you ain't been paying attention. Matt Barzal, Grumpy Old Man, has 15 points, I believe, um, Grumpy. So, uh, yep, here we go. Two minutes, best mistake. saying the outdoor games are a gimmick to me. Tahoe is a bit of a novelty, uh, but they have to stop these. Hmm. Um, and he says, uh, gimmick on the ice is never good. A gimmick says the ice is never good and the weather is a gamble. That is true. I will tell you, there are though those those rare good games where it's snowing out there too. And it's like, it's not snowing enough to where it's making the ice completely uh, 
choppy and unable to skate on the ice and everything like that. Those are like the rare ones where it's like, oh man, this is exactly what I imagined. It's almost like that pond hockey s type of play. The best uh, outside game I ever saw was Mystery in the movie Mystery Alaska. It was a great, great movie. Watch it. Uh, everyone should watch it. It was good. Russell Crowe was in it. Um, Hank Azara. Um, yeah. I must say, I've seen Mystery Alaska, Grumpy Old Man. Good movie. Good movie, Grumpy. Uh, right about around two hours, Grumpy. Um, a loss. Uh, again, we'll hopefully survive. We'll recruit. We've got an interesting three games coming up. And then we have a very, very, very um, – friendly part of our schedule coming up grumpy old man we're playing the sabers three times and the devils three times over a seven game stretch and then we have a very very tough stretch against you know the big nasties in our division grump yeah and on the positive side we played really well today we played really well today so you know that's just the positive of the game i mean we lost yes but we played really well today and honestly, I haven't seen Pittsburgh play as good a defense as they have in the last two games in a long, long time. Well, Grumpy, here's my question for you. We, I want your prediction. We play the Sabres on Monday. What is your prediction, Grump? Win. I predict we win. I also predict the W. I predict two points. So, Grumpy old man, you and I are in unison. Uh, thank you, Grumpy, so much for being a part of the podcast, as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much, guys, for listening here to the live stream and listening to the podcast. Again, we like being able to interact there with all the listeners there of the podcast, um, either on the live stream. And even if you want to go ahead and leave comments there, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching anywhere else, again, we'll always make sure to respond to those there. Uh, we do like it and respond live time there with uh, your comments. I know Grumpy loves that very much as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, Grump. Thank you.